Welcome to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. For Visit Mildura, unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Here's your hosts, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Redmond, good morning to you. Good morning, mate. I'm enjoying the uh, the warm weather we've had and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the El Nino soon. Oh, fair bit happening on the weather front, Redmond. What have you got for us this morning? Well, so we're going to get off the bat. We're going to get straight into it. And we are, this is no joke, we are recording out of my Ford Ranger in the car park at of... playground. <laughs> Well, the playground, of course, being uh, the Queen's Cliff boat ramp. So getting ready to go for a fish this morning because, you know, it's school holidays, getting into it. Uh, but straight off the top is this, a report yesterday on 7 News, and this did the rounds on news right around the country with uh, the top-selling ute, the Ford Ranger, heading to, well, heading, electrifying itself into the future for 2025. It's Australia's most popular 4x4 ute and soon the Ford Ranger will get a boost with a hybrid model for the first time featuring an electric motor and petrol engine. The vehicle can automatically switch back and forth seamlessly depending on what you need to do. Its design has been led by a team in Australia. It's absolutely massive and, and the reason it's massive is because we, we really haven't moved anywhere near quick enough for uh, the electric revolution when it comes to our best. Beautiful work from our friends at Seven. That is the uh, voice of Paul Marrick as well from carexpert.com.au talking about this new Ford Ranger and what it means for the 4x4 segment. Now, Redmond, why this is significant is it's the first time that we're probably going to see a mainstream uh, automotive manufacturer, and that's not to say that LDV isn't, but this is a big branded manufacturer in Australia actually providing a bit of a blueprint for where hybrid electrification is going. Your initial reactions, because I know uh, and I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are around the range of this hybrid being 45 k's. So what are your initial reactions of this new Ford Ranger Electric? Well, the fact that it's going to flick over, the problem is it's not going to flick back over from petrol because it's not, <laughs> you've only got a few kilometres to handle and that's without towing. So it's not going to utilise the towing market. But for you getting to work on a daily basis, it's going to probably save you a dollar or two, especially 45 kilometres. Like, surely they can upgrade it get it cranking a little bit more, can't they? Or is it a starting point? You're exactly right. It's definitely a starting point. And why, like, I think it would definitely be, all right, how can we manufacture this hybrid and it still be cost effective? Because this is why the range would be 45 clicks, because you you invest in the battery technology. If you want more, it's going to cost you more. It's going to weigh more. But, like, I just looked at it through my own lens. I'm 50Ks to Geelong (laughs) each day. It literally covers my... I trip in and out. So how does it how does it recharge itself? So well, you're sitting at the cats, right, um, doing your doing your training. Yeah. What happens in between? Well, I think that you can plug it in, or it'll actually recharge as you're driving, which okay. which happens so to a lot of the hybrids. Alternator sort of like type thing. Yeah. So they're claiming um, the brake towing capacity is still the same at three and a half thousand kilos, but the really interesting part of it is the fact that combined they're claiming three liters per hundred k's. Which is a game changer. Yeah. Like three litres per 100 k's if you'd... And they're saying it still has the same towability. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I took the caravan down to Port Ferry. We were discussing last week. I reckon I was I was fifteen to seventeen. Yeah, you would have been. Yeah, easily. Yep. easily. But, What's your ram? Uh, my boat's about twenty three, twenty four, and then up like when you get into the hills with your boat, you're like twenty six, twenty eight. Well, you really nurse it up the hills as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't test the VA out at all. But, no, no, but no. it comes back to it though. But your forty-five k's that I'm saying that you're going to do towing is not going to affect that in the slightest because your forty-five k's without towing is going to drop. Honestly, well, think about it. If you've got a thousand liter tank, or oh, sorry, a thousand kilometer tank range, yes. range you get out of your tank, roughly yep. give or take, that nearly halves towing. Maybe six hundred. Yeah, correct. So you're going to half that, and maybe a little bit less on the electric side of things. Too bad. You're going to get nearly out of Mogs Creek. <laughs> 20, 20 but well, as for someone not towing, it's going to save you a dollar or two. Especially if it char- like if it charges itself, like you said, that that there is a game changer because you can two dollars something a liter at the moment. That's freaking it's, ridiculous. Oh, well, I fill my boat and car up, so the car is roughly one. I think it's one twenty-five liter tank. So I fill that up. But say it's two bucks a liter. So it's costing me. Near on 260 bucks to fill my car, and my boat's a 200 litre, so 400. So <laughs> it's. What do you it's, spend a week on fuel? Seriously. Because oh, yeah. you fish every day. Yeah, so it depends what I'm doing. Like, if, like this week, I did a lot of the bay stuff. Uh, no, I had no money for fuel. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to say. <laughs> but that's the only reason. No, it was. So the bay stuff I get away with. 200 litre tank will last me quite a period of time. Yep. But if I go do these barrel bluefin and I'm looking and I do 120 k's in a day, which I can easily do looking when there's nothing around. Which you have to do when oh, this, the fish aren't there. So 100%. And you've decided, all right, today's like, when you go, like, you plan, it's just tuna day. Yeah, I don't, I don't. You're not looking for anything else. With anything else. So no. you're either going and you've wasted yep. your time totally, or that's where you are. Yeah, and the, the odd occasion, I'll say, right, there's a good tide in the afternoon. If we do no good, we'll sit back and do a gummy or something. But that's all time into the tides. But yes. like, I get people contacting me for guides, right? And they'll say, I want to get a gummy snapper and whiting all in one day. And I'm like, that's where you're going wrong. Because yeah. you've got to utilize the best parts of the tides to catch your fish. That's such an important Target point, I think. something. Because people, I, I was definitely in that boat before I met you around. Oh, no, I know, I want a bit of everything yep. today. But if you want a bit of everything, then the, the chances are... Then you're going to get a bit of pretty much nothing, for all and of it. you'll catch crapfish. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You'll catch a lot of reefies and, and the like. If you set up for gummies, if you so when I go gummy fishing, I target gummies, and a couple of rods go out the side for the odd pinky and the bait. And then if you target snapper, I'm targeting snapper. And then while you're waiting, you might drop down a flathead rod just while you're waiting. Do you but ne- you're not doing two things, anything specific like targeting the main things at once. When you talk hours for your, you know, for whatever target species, like what's the minimum? hour requirement do you think because it's different for you because you know exactly where the water is and and you can be more specific for but for most people you know you actually need to allow a little bit of leeway of actually finding the spot actually you know not every anchor's like you do so it takes 15 minutes to anchor the thing and then then the the tides change for the whiting this is literally what i spoke to a gentleman at the car wash on i reckon it was on monday during the week great conversations so, at car washes and yeah, boat rams well, aren't they i was cleaning the boat which is he was probably in shock about that so i was cleaning <laughs> I was cleaning the boat and a gibber was at the back He's and had a heart attack who was, you've got the defrib out <laughs> who i was fishing with that day and the gentleman comes over and says to hey just go just go gibber goes yeah we got our bag of whiting and got some squid and the bloke's like oh yeah cool where'd you just go he's like gibber says off queenscliff how did you go Go, oh, no, nah, we're only out for four or five hours. We took the kids out and didn't catch much. And yep. I'm like, we were only out for three hours. We got a bag of whiting and 15 squid. So 
I'm not going, I'm arrogant there and going, I'm better than you. I do this for a job. I, yep. But yep. I, I, what I explained to him, so I actually come, I spot with Gibber. He he started hosing the soap off the outside after I got out of the inside. And I was speaking to the gentleman at the back. And I said, look, what you need to do is target your tides. The time that you went out, right, yep. you had the slack water. So that hour and a half basically leading up to that slack water and that hour afterwards, you shouldn't be chasing whiting. Yep. It's because you're going to have near, your, your worst amount of tide. So, so very, very little water movement. Disturbing the sediments and, yep. and you know, those crustaceans that the whiting. The feed last off. hour and a half can be good if you if you get the last hour and a half and it's a big tide. It might be okay, but yep. like at the time we were, it was a nice tide. It wasn't a huge tide. So what I'm coming back to saying is the conversation with this guy was you need to pick your times better. So you should have got there a couple hours, an hour and a half later, and then fished the four hours with your kids. Yeah, you would have had more time of that tide of actually running and catching fish where you had a, you had nearly two hours of dead water out of your four hours yep. and good time to catch squid, but he didn't know that. So when I go fishing, I often, cause I fish every day. I don't fish for seven to 12 hours every day. If I might target different species on each tide as a work aspect of it. So I'll have my times righto from nine o'clock to 12 o'clock. That's whiting, but the back half of the tide, I'm going to then do a gummy. But I'm actually picking the tides for that. And I don't recommend doing multiple species in a day. I recommend doing the either side of the tides for that one species so you've got your best chance of catching them. But if you can pick your tides about three to four hours, you should be able to scrape up a feed of fish, especially if you know where they are. And that's what we try and do with the soul guide stuff is put you there so you can not waste your time and take the kids out and actually catch fish rather than going looking for the fish. You put you in the area. Like the fish might move a kilometre over. But if you if I put you in that area and you move five spots in that little area, you're going to find them. So that's what we're trying to utilize. And picking your tide when it's moving rather than the slack side of things, you're going to catch fish. So it's about timing your run, I guess you could say. Hey, the other thing that um, we've been semi-critical over the years around how often they've updated their engines, Uh, but Honda Marine have teased a new outboard design on their social channels. Uh, first thoughts on it? Because I think the last time that Honda um, revamped its outboard lineup, I think it was 2001. So it's been some time since we've actually seen an upgrade. And in that in that time in between, what we've seen Mercury do has really Blown them away. led the market yep. in terms of what they're willing to spend on uh, research and development. Just to make it clear, I've never said a bad word about the Honda engines either because... No, they are an amazing engine. engine. They yep. run good. They are heavy. That's the only thing that are negative. Yep. They are heavy. But I had it on uh, the Stabycraft a long time ago. Never missed a beat. And I know a lot of mates that still choose to have Honda. Yep. They're like it. They just turn the key and they just run. They don't die. Well, they... Not that others do, but they are a good engine. They revolutionized the four-stroke. Really brought four-stroke yeah, the... mainstream to the to the marine sector. But they... we haven't... But to be fair, we haven't seen them compared to other manufacturers, no, really the invest engine, in, the, in the marine market. The engine, there's not a lot of information yet out on this engine that I could find, no. but it right. looks good. It does look... It looks it fantastic. Looks, it looks great. Uh, I'm going to be very interested to see where the, the weight aspect of it comes into to, to compete. Because like, like I said to you a second ago, they've always been heavy. So yeah. they've been heavy. So are they going to be able to drop the weight of their engines uh, significantly enough to keep up or are they already a bit too far behind at the minute? Yeah, gotcha. So I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up. But but like I said to you before, they've always been a terrific engine, the Honda engines. Hey, did you see this during the week? Bomb officially announced 
Oh yeah, I mean, this, it's, it's not going to be a great summer. Well, what maybe it's going to be a good summer. It's going to be a great. So we've not if you're pretty a, hard the last. Mate, not if you're a gardener. No, I was about to say this. So I love my tomatoes. I love growing <laughs> my tomatoes. They're not far off going in. Or old Tony, yes, uh, from kind of Queenscliff. There, he always gets his seeds from Italy from when his mum had them, and he bought them all over, and he loads me up with tomato seeds. I'll, I'll bring you some plants. Okay, back. okay. <laughs> back to the like, topic. Like that. Look forward to it. <laughs> the El Nina is basically going to be hot. El Nino. El no El Nina. El Nina. El Nina. Gotcha. I think it El is Nina. El Nina. You could be right. I thought it was El Nina. But basically, what I mean by that is it's going to be... No, you were hot. right. It's El Nino. I was completely wrong. El Nino. Uh, it's going to be hot and dry. Yep. The only drama is bushfires and the likes. We don't want to see what we see on the East Coast. What was it? A handful of years ago now, Pat, when I was... Oh, no good down the East Coast. No, Malacuda up to Eden and, and so forward. But basically, it's going to be hot. Good news on that aspect of it. What that means is for people like myself who love... I, I love the warmth. I don't like winter. Yep. But it's going to be dry, real dry. But what we're going to see in the area that I live, we're going to see a lot of northerlies, so a lot of warm days, which is going to mean a lot of ocean days fishing for, for us. Yep. So it's going to be your northerly winds with your smaller swell. So therefore, those crays are going to come back into it. Uh, a lot of diving. It's been hard diving the last handful of years with the swell and the relentless wind. So this cray season should be an absolute ripper. The warmth I'm hanging for, those barbies out in the deck of a night, I'm hanging for that. And of course, it's going to be usually still in the morning and then maybe blow up and you may not even get that southeast change late afternoon mm. because we usually get that and it cools us down a bit. But you're going to have that dry nights. It's going to be it's going to be warm. I mean, it's going to be good for trout fishing as well. Like yep. You obviously need the um, you know, decent enough water in the streams, but if, if it's going to be dry, well, insect life, that sort of thing... Um, the other thing that happens during the week, Redmond, is that Ford Australia had their new F one fifty launch. They launched oh, did it they? in yeah, launched it in uh, Werribee Park Mansion, and they had all the the major car news uh, outlets at the launch, and then they had a tour of the um, remanufacturing facility. So we've got greater clarity on when we'll see those. Cars hit the road now, which is really exciting. And the other thing um, is some decent competition for Ram and mm. Silverado, which as a – this is the best part – which as a um, as a purchaser, as a general public, means you have greater options and there's greater pricing competition between the two. The only reason I didn't consider the F-150 when I was buying it was just because – it sort of felt like it was, wasn't coming at the time, like it just sort of dragged out a bit. Well, and it has because I think what yeah. they've found is the remanufacturing has taken a significant amount of time, has yep. taken a lot longer than they, what they first planned for it. Because it was, yeah, it was meant to be a little while ago, but that was the only reason. I sort of needed the car at the time. I was 100%. meant to have the, the 650 uh, beforehand and obviously your boat, towing your boat around. So that was the only reason that I didn't put put it in my considerations. But, you know, Few years' time when I need to, need to do the old tax write off, Patrick. <laughs> the F 150 is not that the missus will like that, but uh, the F, she'll think there's other things we could buy that are probably a bit more handy around the house. But And she's right. She's right, but I'm the boss. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. So <laughs> we'll uh, see if we can maybe consider the 150, take it for a test drive, and I'll do the comparisons and, and whatnot with that. And, and also the Chev. I do like the Chev too. Yes. Whether yeah, I, beautiful and, car. And I can't complain about the Ram either. So. Well, the other one is the Tundra as well. Toyota, oh, yeah, obviously yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and that's probably the one that's tipped my fancy the most. It's a nice truck. It's it's a beautiful truck. And the, you know the other thing that's you know astonishing, I think, because when you look at reviews, Ranger continues to just dominate everything. Except 
Toyota continues to absolutely hammer home sales continually. Like if you put them up to each other, um, you know, Hilux versus Ranger, like you, you can't compare the latest the latest models. Yeah. But people just flock to Toyota. To Toyota, yeah, because they just do. It's just been so reliable. Because it's a Toyota. Yeah, yeah, it's just so yeah. reliable for such a period of time. Like it's, yep. you just know it's going to do its job as such. And like I, I was blown away. Now, not well. Speaking it. of doing its job, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. I was reading an article during the week, a drive article around um, cars and how long they last for. And they were, they did a it was a podcast, and they were reaching out. You know, who's done the most amount of kilometers? They had someone that, that called in and sent through the photo 2.3 million kilometres oh on God. a Toyota Hilux, averaging 100,000 a year. Can you believe that? Bloody hell. <laughs> 2.3 million kilometres. Um, massive show of real adventures coming your way this morning. Don't go around plenty more after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures for Visit Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit Mildura.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating, the great outdoors. It is time for the whip around. Thanks to you and I. It is thanks to you. Actually, it's thanks to me. I've done the research on this. You do the research this every week. This is my week. part of the segment. You have your contacts in every single state that you call up and you find out. Jazz Charter's very big in Western Australia. Uh, Jazz where you find out is my favourite. What's been biting. So let's kick things off in New South Wales because there's plenty of... And this is this is great research from you. I didn't think you had it in you. You've been saying that a lot lately. But I'm, this, I'm pretty proud of me for once. But the Snowy River. Hard bodies. Fish to nine pounds. They are big trout being caught in the Snowy Rivers, Snowy and, River in the New South Wales. And it's a great time to fish it as as spring yep. starts. Streams are open. We spoke off the top of the show what La Nina means for the weather. Nina, not great. For, yeah. Not, not <laughs> great for um, you know water tanks. I'm on I'm on water. You know you can come over. Don't to rely mine. on town you water. Can come over to mine. Um, you know fires etc. Great for trout fishing though. Those insects. What well, the fires are. Up. Not the fires, oh, the weather. I was like, what are you talking no, the about? Weather. The weather's the weather. very good. Yes, we don't want the fires. They can stay away. So that's bloody good. Uh, Marimbula was the other one. Did remember? you see those schools of salmon that we spoke about with ages ago back in force, plague proportions of salmon mixed in with kingfish. Yeah. So mixed yep. in with them. Uh, easy accessible land base or in a boat. Get shallow, obviously, as you get closer to the mouth. But Marimbula salmon and kings mixed in there. Uh, Queensland, the little creek streams in Yapoon, Producing some huge mangrove jack to fifty centimeters. Fifty centimeters, big That's mangroves, a big jack, yeah, and they're in little creeks too. Yep. So that is fantastic fishing, and the Taylor are going very, very well off the surf near the old Tweed. Not sure if that's New South Wales or Queensland, but we'll go with it. We love that. Uh, heading over to to the west, which what well, was what we pretty much call the uh, the snapper capital of the country now, but there's been huge snapper up to nine kilos being landed land-based. In the uh, Freer Mantle area. Which is brilliant. So best baits have been squid. Big fish. And, and Freer going really well when it comes to snapper. And land-based is important because, it, you know, you're well, not... school holidays. Well, it's school holidays, and you're not also bound to the weather. Because the rougher it gets, you still get good fish. Well, so Freer are fishing well. Better. The rougher it gets, yeah. especially if it pushes on shore, those snapper will fire up. Land-based import headland. The Mulloway were going very, very good. Fish over the metre mark. 
But then you also, which is land-based too, but the Port Headland Jetty produced the same. Meter Mulloway. So you don't so, just need a boat to... No. Yep, which is great. Great to see. Uh, your old neck of the woods, Pat? Yeah, whiting on fire throughout South Australia. Wallaroo offering bag limit captures. And, and I think um, uh, North Bank fishing comp's coming up not too soon in Wallaroo as October well. October 14th, give or take. 13th, 14th. There you go. Um, and the other one is Aldinga bag limit captures. Those whiting are continue. in some serious trouble in Wallaroo when I get there, I tell you. <laughs> I love my whiting fishing, Patrick. And that's where we're going and what we're doing. Land-based uh, Moonda Bay Jetty producing plenty of uh, fish throughout the school holidays, whiting being um, high on the agenda. There's also been good reports of calamari at different stages Tommy as well. Ruffs too. Tommy Ruffs make brilliant calamari bait as well on the, on the jig stick, on the jig. They're actually not bad eating whole as well. Yep, and so's chicken. Uh, Port Mac is still on fire. <laughs> Port Mac is still on fire with the barrels. Uh, want to fish charters and Jason from Port McDonald Charters both doing an extremely good job there. So give them a buzz if you do want to get a hold of them and go catch a big fish. Tassie, some huge trevally coming off Port Sorrel on plastics with the grub style tails doing the work. And then of course. You're heading to the Derwent. You've got brim and trout on fire as well on plastics too. What about the other one? And this was quite extraordinary, but a 39-pound mega brown trout. Oh, yes. How did I miss this? Caught by a lucky angler, Ashley. Quite extraordinary. Caught in the Taina River. I think that's how it's pronounced. It's definitely. Which is down south. One of the heaviest, if not the heaviest, brown trout ever caught in Australia. This thing is an absolute donkey. So it hasn't gotten any longer. Its guts have just gotten bigger and it looks a bit like meat. It is. An, <laughs> this thing is enormous. Long and fat. One of the, <laughs> you know what it looks like? It looks like a Murray cod. It's that It's big. a big fish. It is it does look like It does. It's got every shape of a big cod. Normally you, th- you look at this and go, you know, this is something that you catch in New Zealand when they've been put on the... You know, they've been fed pellets and, and, yeah. and, and fished in that sense. But an absolutely extraordinary cap- capture. So well done, Ashley. Uh, Victoria now, Pat. Yeah. Let's go a bit in depth here because there's some great fishing to be had right around the state. Right so now. I'm not going to go into too many places right now. If you do want to find out where, head to the fisheries website and it will show you all the stocked places around our whole state. There's hundreds of them. So and, I can't go through them all. And particularly, it's, it's, a, it's a great point because school holidays... They're always really well planned for this big fisheries, and they they design their their stocking around when it's going to be really accessible yep. and it's going to fish well for kids and 100%. families. So now is the time. Head to the Vic Fisheries website, and and you'll Whatever's find the closest place. Yep. Exactly right when it's been stocked, how many fish have been stocked there, and it's it's really worth taking your kids um, and giving it a crack. It is, and they're, some of the fish are monsters too. Some of those stocked fish are like 10 plus pounds. Yeah, like yeah. They're, they're not just small. stonkers. So you're going to have fun, and you can catch them and on. And they feed straight away. You catch them on plastics, you can catch them on power bait, you can catch them on a float with a worm on the bottom of it. There's so many different varieties of techniques you can use to catch these fish. Like we said, head to the Vic Fisheries website. South Gippsland, all the estuaries down that way are producing really, really good fishing. Brim and EPs. Now, I know that you were at Port Ferry getting a few EPs on Brim the other week, but what techniques were you using? Because down there, the vibes and the hard bodies have been the go. Well, I was always told, like, fish it like a barra, but even slower. Mm. So cast it out, and then that, that's... So slow, hard body you're using? Uh, hard body, yep. so floating. Um, but but not... It's still... It sits just under the water almost. So it's a slow floating. Yep. And really slow retrieve, like jig. Yep. Jig. Like one, two, three, and you're really patient. And then, whooshka, 
It's amazing how close to the bank, the, particularly the EPs, will hit it. <laughs> like, Stop there for a sec. I see this on social media during the week. Yeah, I lost me a little. How, you lost, no, that one too, but we're going to go into that in a second. Climbing into a bush. Why do we fish in a boat, we always cast to the edge? And when, no, no. <laughs> when we're on the edge, we cast to the middle. <laughs> Sorry, it's, I just thought it was relevant. It's a great point, isn't it? It's like you, you fish from a boat. It's like, I'm going to get it so close to the edge. And then it's like, oh, that's such a great cast. Yeah, then you go the other way. <laughs> Yeah, Speaking like, of I'm close gonna, to the edge, uh, what were you, you trying to do? Catch koalas? On the edge? I'm going to get it as far out as I can. You and George catching birds during yeah, the week? Yeah, I lost me as an atomic. Was that you or George? An atomic. No, it was me. And I'm like, George, can you hold me phone? The little bastard. Started filming. He's, he's picked up me phone, turned the camera on, and started filming. Do you know what's blown away? I've got a one and a half year old, not quite, and she knows how to turn the camera on my phone. Unbelievable. It's a <laughs> it's a joke Especially how quick they, they pick it up. Capture you doing something ridiculous. They still don't know what no means. Uh, squid. <laughs> or listen. Po- or listen. Or perhaps they do. They choose. <laughs> they, they <laughs> oh, Jesus. We are perfect. Uh, squid from Port Welshpool. We're oh, nice. Fishing well. We're not far off seeing the snapper down there kicking into gear too. Some really good gummies as well outside of Port Welshpool and inside. Western Port. Snapper. G-Man's been doing quite well on the snapper, but what I like the most about it is the whiting. They have got their butts into gear, Pat. They have, and there's some cracking fish to 46, 47 centimetres and the odd bigger one. Seriously good fishing for whiting in Western Port. And then barrels are thicker down the western entranceway. Now you've got uh, Flinder Bank and the Cody Banks, etc. Down that way, the barrels are fishing very, very good. Yep. Uh, coming back to my neck of the woods, we'll talk a little bit about what I did during the week. Uh, offshore going, so we're good. But Picking I got the some, tides again, obviously. You know how, pick 100% the tides, but you know how I've mentioned the whiting being crap? I found a really good patch of them in some strong tidal waters, and we've got all big fish, like pretty much 40, give or take, a couple of 47s, a couple of 38s, but 40, 42s are averages, I reckon. So you salt guide for your report on that? Yes. Yeah, so and that, how you fished it? Literally wrote that up a couple of days ago, and it's fresh, yep. ready to go. So, And we've still got a few more good tide days before this moon comes. Saltguide.com.au for more information there. And the... Squid have just, I've got them in here saying that like it's worth cha- chasing, but they've been pricks and things. Yeah. They have not, I hit that, remember that big patch, and yeah. that's why we said it was going to really start to Yeah, up. well, that was the first signs of them. I got 30 big squid, and, but I was going to do a squid show today, so I apologize, but it's going to be next week. And the reason we're going to hold it off, I just want to make it relevant. I want to get some photos yeah, there's and There's no stuff. point talking about nah, it when they're not going well. Hold off another couple of weeks. Yeah. If I get them this week coming, we'll talk about it next week, but we'll do a full squid review. It is coming, I promise you that, but I just want to make sure it's very relevant to what we're talking about. And then, of course, the barrels just out here from where we're sitting at the moment, Pat. Uh, head out of Queenscliff, yep. out of the river, off Torquay Front Beach, wherever you want to go, and the barrels out the front of my place. Uh, there, not as I don't think they're as easy to catch as such as the Western Port side. They're, that's why there's a lot of boats there. They're probably a bit more consistent there, but there's definitely some good fish here and well worth chasing. That is the whip around. Aaron and I are coming from live in the Queenscliff boat ramp. In the Ford Ranger. In the Ford Ranger sitting in the I thought front. I was going to pass out before. We had to open the door up. I was getting a bit warm because we were ready to go fishing. Anyway, uh, after the break, Bomber Farrell joins us. He's chatting all things the Barabash in Hinchinbrook and then a little bit of the scientific work that he's doing up in Groot Island. You're listening to Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures for Visit Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit Mildura.com.au. It is now time for All Aboard, our special guest segment, and he is one of our special guests, one of our regulars, Redmond. Bomber Farrell joins us. Good morning, Bomber. Morning, gentlemen. How are we? 
We're going well, mate. Now you've been on the caravan of courage slash return the favour. You've you've packed up the. Well, it's not a motorhome. It's a Hilux with a um, with accommodation attached to the to the rear end of it. You've been travelling around Australia for the past. Is it eight months? Is that about right? Yeah, about eight. Yeah, you're right. Jeez, that's gone, it's gone quick. Go We're on. only catching tuna with bombing not that long ago. Not long it feels ago. like it. It wasn't, it wasn't long ago at all. <laughs> Jeez. Now, we find you in Hitchinbrook, and you've had the Barabash during the week, mate. Yeah, yeah. We um, were fortunate enough to sort of drop back through Townsville as we sort of um, returned from coming up to the, from the Cape and uh, fished with a couple of mates in the uh, Townsville Barabash up at Hinchinbrook Island, which was... Um, which was unbelievable. Great experience. Bomber, I'm uh, just looking through the Townsville Game Fishing Club social media pages, and uh, congratulations to all the category winners and the number one straight off the bat. Day one, first Barramundi, Bomber Farrell takes out the cakes. <laughs> oh, it's just, yeah, got, got a bit lucky there, I think. Uh, that <laughs> might have been. <laughs> what, tin ass, you reckon? Yeah, yeah, a bit of tin. Involved there, that one I'd say. It's consistent tin. <laughs> that's the only thing I will say. It's now, consistent tin. What, without without getting given away too much, I'm just going to ask him straight out. What do you get as a prize for catching the first barramundi on day one? Ah, uh, that was good question. That was a yeti holster, a rod. Uh, I think there was a reel, maybe a bag. So with the yeti lures. being involved, valued at five and a half thousand dollars, there, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's uh, oh, well done. There was obviously a lot of a lot of fish caught: the grunter, mangrove jack, brim, salmon, fingermark, trevally, flathead, cod, and of course the biggest barramundi. So, had the the comp ran smoothly, bomber? Yeah, yeah, it did really. One actually, actually, probably one of the best comps I've actually fished in. I've been I've fished at Barra Nationals a few times, and this one's a really good comp. It's only a two day event. Everyone gets along really well. Good bunch of guys. It was sixty two teams. Um, Big variety of fish, uh, and and it's quite spread out the Hinchinbrook region. It's not you're not sort of fishing on top of each other, um, like I found when you fish the Daly River um, for the Barra Nationals. Um, really well organised. Um, there's catering each night and day, and sort of everyone gets together um, and sort of you know heads out. And it's a totally different type of fishery, that's for sure. Hinchinbrook. It's, the barras aren't all packed up in certain areas like you sort of typically think in the territory, um, and then areas that you'd think that I'd think of oh, Blue Mud Bay or in the Gulf, you'd catch fish, there's no fish, and it's sort of opposite way around um, fishing the edges in clear um, mangrove waters um, and just working every little pocket that you can see around the mangroves, just trying to get a hit as there was all the fish spread out. It's, it's quite a uh, different type of barra fishery. Does that make it, and you said it off the top, that it was really enjoyable to be a part of, does that make it more fun in a sense that because the waters are spread out, there's less competition to sit on each other and the you know the argy-bargy that, that can happen in some fishing tournaments? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there were boats that did run two hours north, um, you know, way out of what parts, because you've got to launch from Lucinda uh, boat ramp, everyone's got to launch from the same spot, but you could drive two hours north or you could fish um, 20 metres um, around in front of the jetty. Um, so, or you could head south and then head down towards Townsville. Not You wouldn't go as far as Townsville, but you can head down the coast to other creeks along the way that way. So everyone sort of spreads out. The Hinchinbrook channel systems of mangrove-lined islands and whatever, you could just get lost in there for weeks. Um, so there's just so many options. And because the fish basically all spread out, everyone else does spread out themselves. Bomber, the 
Can I, so, can I just cut in? Oh, we've got no Bomber. choice. I, <laughs> you know, obviously, uh, John Boy, my dad very, very well. Yep. Um, dad and I, we, we nearly flipped a 4.14 Stacer in 2001 before I met either of you two, Muppets. We nearly flipped our tinny uh, on our very first trip up that eastern seaboard trying to, you know, follow along the Lucinda jetty. It goes 5.7 k's out to sea, Redmond. Like, you and I have driven past a, it. I know how long it is. <laughs> it can be a bit of a dangerous body of water bomber. Uh, yes, don't worry. We did um, understand that. Um, and oh, there was one moment when we were in the pre-fish and we went around and had a look at a creek to fish. And uh, we, we got airborne about five or six times. And we're in a little bass boat, which isn't like I'd much prefer to be in my north bank. I'll give you the red hot tip at that time. But um, <laughs> that is really, really dangerous there when that water... Um, is wind against tide, and the wind did pick up a few t- days in the Arvo. It's a very, very dangerous part of the world when that current's going the wrong way, mate. Yeah. Well, I, I learnt that. I learnt that. Now, Pat's interrupted. Oh, really? Going back to the fishing. Uh, point yeah. system as well. <laughs> you you guys, your team managed to come third, which is a terrific effort against, uh, with so many uh, teams involved. But what sort of barramunda are you catching? Are they 80 centimetres, 90 centimetres, metre 20? What are, what are you working with? Nah, the, actually, it's, it's, this is what I, what I found really interesting. It's a lot of small barra. Um, there was, the biggest barra was a 94, which I'd say looking at all the systems and where the fish hold up, they were caught in a, it was caught in a creek up further north. The biggest fish I think we got in our team was about a 74, a few in the high 60s, um, and then legal up here to 58, and I think we had out of, or I think we caught about 20 fish for the whole comp, and there was only, out of the bag that we had to get one point for every centimetre, there was only two fish that were under 58 centimetres. Yep. Um, so, so there are a lot of small barra um, around the in that whole Hinchinbrook region. I think that's mainly with the, the shallows that they're, they're sitting in and they're sitting in some very shallow and at times very clear water. So mm. you, you don't, and I've never really seen it, where you get really big barra in salt water areas where you get big barra holding in very clear shallow water. Were there many croc dramas at all with the amount of people that were there? Nah, no. Nah. Fishing, no yeah. crocs? As you know, like, there's crocs sort of everywhere up north and you don't know where they are. There's there's not that many. I didn't spot. I wouldn't yeah. say that it's like an uh, out-of-control um, crocodile region, that's for sure. There's only a few that I saw the whole week I was there. Apart from the people that didn't come back, Redmond, I think there was only three boats this year, which was a, which was really, which was good. Like that was high. Better than last year. Yeah, better, better than last. I, mean, I think it was eight last year, so it was fine. Yeah. And you know they were big enough; they actually swallowed the whole boat motor and everything. So we won't see those guys obviously rest their souls. Hey, bomber! One of the things he's that- joking for those that are listening. I'll just make that clear. Just to, bomber. One of the things that you do a, a fair amount of is the scientific work that you do for, for certain organisations and you've got that coming up um, you've obviously lived in Groot Island for a long period of time, um, talk to us some of the work that you're doing um, over the next few months up there Yeah actually we'll, um, we'll be heading back up to Groot in November We've, um, we started satellite tagging sailfish last year and I think we deployed uh, about 13 off Groot and we had, um, we had one of them that uh, popped up up in Indonesia after 192 days at Liberty, which and we've got a few that are still swimming around, which is really cool. But with that whole program with uh, Charles Darwin University, AFAN, and those guys up there, um, they've sort of uh, requested, which I've happily accepted, um, to go back up to Groot and deploy probably about 10 more satellite tags and also some acoustic tags as well, which are external, which is like basically the first time 
that's been done in the world for billfish. So yeah. um, we've got that coming up as well. Which, so do, which does what? So what's, what's an acoustic tag? What's the... So an, okay, so the difference with an acoustic... A satellite tag basically collects all the data, pops off, and you get the data back at whatever point. Um, with an acoustic tag, as long as it hangs onto the fish, it's a lot smaller, but it will have to go past what's called like an array um, that detects that um, acoustic tag. So it needs to swim close enough to it to detect that it's actually been there to know that, you know, you've swum past, then you've swum back past another time. And so south of Groot Island at the moment, down on the sea, um, the, the sea floor there, we've got a whole different uh, type of these little monitors that are basically can pick up if a fish swims past and it detects that, um, that array. Now, they're a lot cheaper. Um, they're still electronic and operated off a battery, um, and that can basically detect those fish as they swim past. Pretty cool. I know, it's pretty bizarre. They've, they've been used on like kingfish. Barramundi in the Ropa River, they did it. They actually surgically implanted little tiny acoustic um, tags inside the fish and they would swim up and down the river and then they'd have the array along the banks and they could pick up as the fish moved in and out of the whole river system over a whole season. It's fascinating stuff. Bomber, as always, uh, you're a great friend of the show. We appreciate your time this morning on Real Adventures. Not pleasure having having uh, the opportunity to be on board and having a yarn, fellas. It'll be good to have a chat later when I get further down south. Red's Review for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We are on the home stretch, Redmond. That means it's time for Red's Tip. What do you have for us for the weekend, well, just, boy? You just, just you start the segment started so quick here. I just have to get a photo to show you. Have a look at this. We're on the... Look no. at this. So what I'm showing, oh, Pat, no. so that's the back transfer of my boat, right? And of your pet hates. Yes. So the tip is that we're coming into the busy time of the year. So the picture is Aaron's transom yep. launched at Queenscliff. And there Me is at a, the driver's seat looking down into the ramp. Yeah, I'm sure you would have been very patient. And there is a boat somehow. like it, It's it's tied the back stern The stern off. is tied to the jetty and then the rest of the boat the is... The engine's resting up against the pier. On, <laughs> which it's good for the engine. Sitting at right angles, uh, making it a little bit difficult to get out. But what you don't understand as well, if you look to the right here, look at that. There's another one tied up. So it's a two-lane ra- two ramp. There's a bloke on the right that's tied up along the wall where your trailer would actually go into the water. And another one behind me on the pier. Now, the early gaff goes to the design of the pier. It should have a little kick out, shouldn't it? So people can't... Should, yeah. That's yeah. Just, so by the time this gentleman takes his boat off, right? Parks, his, yep. he's by himself. He parks the boat, has to walk then to... The car, yes. Grab his lunch out for the day. Maybe go to the toilet if he needs to do a poo, and comes back. <laughs> right? Could be 15, 20 minutes, and that's what. All of a sudden, the oh, lines bang. Oh now. my god! This gentleman was actually. I actually got impatient and drove through that little gap there. But when it's busy, you you're can't do that. Didn't swear much, but it was. Uh, it, it's when you're coming to this year, just be mindful of other boaters. Consider it. This is what causes arguments and blues down at the ramp. Yes. It's just inconsiderate. You don't need to do it. All you had to do was tie his boat up properly and move it back five metres and everyone would have been able to keep continue with their day. And it wasn't a busy day. The relevance of me taking the photo was purely to show you what I was talking about so you didn't think I was sooking. But don't tie up in front of where the facility is or where you're going to launch, where the boat's going into the water because others, it doesn't keep the momentum and the flow of the ramps. Just a little tip. If you're new to boating, new to fishing, just a little tip so you don't get yelled at because it oh I, I shut my mouth I actually don't say anything it's not worth my time but others don't they will get fired up and that's when the arguments happen so let's avoid it nice work Redmond that was Red's review for Razorback 4x4 there's nothing like Razorback 4x4 the flying gap this week 
been doing the rounds on social media. Uh, there was a group. I'm assuming they were fishing for tuna, Redmond. Yep. It's done. Um, it's done the airways. It's safe to say. Anyway, the rod gears up, and the entire. Uh, gunnel of the boat is ripped off. Mm, it is. One of the more extraordinary <laughs> uh, things that I've seen when it comes to fishing. So make sure, this is almost a red tip, just make sure your gunnels are strapped down, I suppose, or, or are they glassed in? Yeah, they're definitely glassed in, but I'm not sure if they're glassed in. Ameri- that might have been silicon. <laughs> American-based. And the other gaff ribbon is, is to oh. myself. I'm on a diet at the moment. Yeah. Trying to lose weight. Can we go? In the off-season. You're drinking coffee. Well, I'm drinking uh, long and short blacks now. and Away from his oat. Yeah, and I love an oat latte in the morning. Love a latte in the morning. Like just, it's, a, it's a great way to start the day. And now... So you're trying to lose weight. It is not just horrible. So I am... So why are you drinking it if it's horrible? Have a glass of water like a lemon need... in it like I do. It's beautiful. Really? Every morning, lemon water. Every morning, religiously. But I need a little bit of a caffeine kick. <sighs> It's ruining the start of my day. I have I've a been doing it for a week. My pacemaker starts beating out of me. <laughs> hey, one more gaff. What do you think of this? While we're on the gaffing topic, I got fined during the week at Queensland Boat Ramp. What for? So there's a sign that where we've always parked, right? All the lot. Was it for us, being impatient and then no. ripping through a gap because two was guys it that were? Day? <laughs> no, it was that day. So what happened was I parked where it was. They've changed the signs earlier in the week, so only a couple of days before. And I've been parking in this park, and everyone has. So I, four of the local boys, I didn't know at the time until they come up to me the next day and goes, you got the ticket as well. Let's all go to Queenslift together. Borough of Queenslift decided to change their fines, uh, change their signs, sorry, to no standing within a couple of days of us not being. It wasn't even a couple of days. Like it was, We parked there two days before, and then the next then we were literally out, and all of a sudden we come back to the car with a fine on it. That's The boat ramp got built months and months and months ago, right? Correct. And then they changed the sign, and not even like, they know my car down there, the borough of Queenscliff. Not even like, hey, Red, don't park here, signs are changed on the front of the car. Bang, $77 fine for parking. In, and so did old Ross, who local fisherman. Uh, Donnie, local fisherman, we all got done. You know what's ridiculous there. about that? It should be, once the rule is changed, it there should be like a literally a month. Yeah. It's like, all right, there's no fines until that changes yeah. because people need to actually get used to it and actually see. Well, I just, and you know what? I never parked the car, so I all, but I did this time. And I just parked where the boys park. I, and I don't look at signs. I go there every day. Like, Correct. why would it change? Like, yep. you just naturally... It was a new facility. Yep. I'd look. Just pulled out. Just just parked the car. Actually parked the car because my car and trailer don't fit in the standard crappy parks that they've built for everyone already. So, parked in the longest one you I could find. today. I like it. So, the gas <sighs> is heading that's, to that's, the... I don't think I'm on the right track there. Borough of Queenscliff for being tight asses, Trying to get money back for the revenue they lost to the boat ramp. Because it took 18 years. And all, I need to call old Ross to see if he. they said they're going to let it slide because he went in that afternoon and if he got it slide, I'm gonna, we're all going to go battle together. And he could make it happen. It'll be you. <laughs> Thanks for your company <laughs> this morning. They'll, they'll double it. <laughs> Thanks for your company this morning on Real Adventures. We hope you, see the, we hope you enjoy the show, rather. We'll see you next